This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life is hard sometimes, and there are many pathways in navigating the inevitable ups and downs of life. In riding these waves, I look to my yoga practice and also therapy. We all go through tough times like big life changes, periods of instability, conflict, or loss. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist entirely online, which is very convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Take the questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And if it's not the right match for you, no worries. You can change your therapist for no additional charge. Sometimes getting started in therapy is the hardest part. To make it a little bit easier, go to the link provided in the show notes or go to visit betterhelp.com slash yoga and podcast today to get 10% off your first month. Welcome friends to the Yoga and Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Weber, a yoga and Pilates teacher who is oh so curious about all things yoga and. If this is your first time joining us, a big warm welcome to you. This show brings the magic of yoga and mind-body practices down to earth for the everyday real person to help them live their best lives. Today, I'm super excited to have Andrea Cortez back on the show for the second time. She is a music therapist, sound meditation teacher, and the owner of Mind Body Music Center based in Austin, Texas. Check out her previous episode she did with us, episode number 19, Yoga and Sound, when you get the chance. On today's episode, Andrea will break down some of the sound healing myths. This particular episode is part one of a very special two-part series, Yoga and Breaking Sound Healing Myths. Andrea will share with us her extensive knowledge on the subject, as well as answer some of your questions like, what is sound healing? How is all this related to the chakras, the energy centers? How should you feel after sound meditations? I know you are going to love this episode just as much as I did. Now, let's sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode, y'all. Joining us on today's episode is music therapist, sound meditation teacher, and owner of Mind Body Music Center, Andrea Cortez. How are you today, Andrea? Hi, Ashley. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for being back on the show. This is your second time. Uh, yes. Back, it was like you're on episode 19. And yeah. Yeah. So welcome wow. back. Uh, for those of us who don't know you yet, would you like to introduce yourself just a little bit more? Tell us who you are, what you're about. So um, I am a music therapist. Um, I went to Colorado State University and my program focused on neurologic music therapy. So my training was around rehabilitation. Um, I worked with populations of people with uh, head injury, stroke, brain injury, um, also Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Um, and so our focus in the program was around how music can help rehabilitate certain skills like 
speech, um, walking, movement, um, cognitive skills, attention. Um, so my basic training was really based around the nervous system. Um, in that program, also as a music therapist, we have kind of a three-tiered part of our training where we're trained as a musician, um, we're trained as a therapist, and we're also trained to do research. So I've taken all of that and continue that with my work because my work now is 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 has kind of developed to be more in wellness, not mm -hmm. so much in um, rehabilitation, although I would still consider this a bit of re rehabilitation because I'm helping adults to rehabilitate from stress, right? And um, so there is a bit of resetting, a resetting of the nervous system with my work in music and with helping people to de-stress, reduce anxiety, um, get out of fight or flight and um, help them to balance their nervous system. So in a, in a similar way, I think my background um, has supported me in, in continuing my work and working with the nervous system. It's just um, working with a new population of people. Um, so I work with adults and wellness um, at my studio and, and have private sessions. Um, and also um, I've been integrating sound meditation as part of my work and working with community and doing groups and classes with that. Cause it's all related as I'm seeing now that working individually in sound therapy sessions, there is a meditative aspect in there. And, and so it kind of crosses over to the groups that I do as well. And the meditative aspect in there, which I can talk about more later is, is about listening and really being present. So it kind of encompasses this part on the person who is experiencing the sound to also be present and to practice themselves, like practice listening, practice being aware and being present. Mm -hmm. So, so that's what I'm doing currently. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to watch the work that you do as I know you as a friend, I do work with you from time to time and I love what you're putting out in the world. What is sound healing and sound therapy exactly? Are they different? Is it the same thing? So there are many terms being used right now that are about healing with sound vibrations, right? And so sound healing, um, and these terms overlap and sound healing, I, I think right now is a, a very trendy term. Um, so when people hear that, they think of like crystal bowls or healing mantras or something like this. So, and um, sound therapy though, um, I think is, is a growing field. Um, I've, I've, as I've looked up research articles, sound therapy is referred in this re in this research um, as that, as sound therapy with, with certain instruments. And, and so I think that, that, that term sound therapy is, is a term that is more research based. It, it's, a, um, a field that is growing. Um, there's, there isn't, there isn't a, a university program for sound therapy, or there isn't a national association for sound therapy right now. Um, but, I think that, um, so there are certain programs that are offering certifications in sound therapy, but they're not backed up 
by like a board certification or a national association. Um, like in yoga, there's a, isn't there a a national mm-hmm. yeah yoga teachers alliance and it's right. a national thing. Same thing with Pilates, yeah. Right, right. So there's not anything like that right now for sound therapy. Although I think it's going that direction, especially because there's research growing in that in this field. Um, so when there isn't a larger organization that's giving this accreditation, then those certificate programs aren't necessarily being supported by anything in particular. So, um, and when there is a large organization that can give accreditation, then that means that there's standardized applications of practice. And if there isn't, then anything goes, right? So we're kind of (laughs) a little bit in that phase of, well, sometimes anything goes for sound healing and sound therapy. So I'm, you know, we have to be cautious right now. And, and if you're looking for, for sound healing, to just be aware that um, of these things actually to, um, and to, and to research and look at who you're going to see and, and maybe they have other kinds of uh, certifications and accreditations that would help them to um, have, you know, to serve you in the best way. And that's why we're doing this episode. We're breaking the sound healing myths today. Um, what, so what is the difference exactly between music and noise? I think it's interesting. This isn't something that we really think about. Um, but music, there's a mathematical difference between music and noise. So musical sound contains a group of frequencies that are ordered and related to each other in harmonic proportion. So music is just, music's based on mathematics. Music is based on harmony um, and ratios. So there's order in music and the intervals between the notes, the spacing between the notes. Um, so, so music has this order, uh, mathematic order. And noise does not, it, uh, so, so music will create a regular repeating sound wave, which is, you can imagine that would be something ordered, regular repeating sound wave, but noise produces an irregular repeating sound wave. So uh, I like to give a visual, if you can imagine, this kind of helps to see what's the difference between music and noise. But you know, if you've seen cymatics or if you've seen like um, those geometrical shapes or a picture of a snowflake, you know, the snowflake has a the um, uh, symmetrical geometrical shape, really beautiful. That would be harmony, that would be music. Um, And if you see another shape that's not symmetrical, it's kind of distorted, um, asymmetrical or um, like a blob or something, that would be noise. So, So that's a good visual. I like to give that so that you can see the difference. And if you look at if you look at our um, architecture, you look at our art, you look at um, like even in making textiles and, and designs of weaving, we always, um, humans always create these beautiful geometrical shapes in all of, mm. all of these creations in the buildings and the architecture, you see that. And it's reflecting that 
um, beauty that's in music. It's also in nature. Um, these that occur naturally, you see in flowers. I think, I think as humans, we're drawn to that, to that beauty of symmetry and um, design. Um, so when we listen to music, we're listening to that in a way. It's an auditory experience of that visual beauty. Yeah, um, sacred geometry. Yes, yeah. it's within the music. In sound healing, is more sound better than less sound? No, <laughs> it's <laughs> more sound is not always better. So it's interesting because it's kind of like oh, when you, uh, you think about like herbalism or taking, taking herbs or using essential oils or something like this. In the same way, they say not more of the herb or more use of the oil isn't isn't always better. It's the same with music, mm -hmm. same with sound. So when we talk about more sound, we might be talking about amplification of sound. So like louder sound. Um, this is not um, necessarily better because it can create a very intense experience for the listener. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, you're also dealing with, I mean, when you have more sound, you're dealing with the sensitivity of the ears. I mean, there's, there's so much to consider there. So um, there are certain instruments right now that are being used in sound healing, like the crystal bowls, even the, the metal bowls, well, and the gong too, these instruments <laughs> can be very, can be very loud. Um, and I think it creates a very intense experience. Now, some, some people say that, that it's a cathartic experience. So all of that sound is helping to release. It's a catharsis. Mm -hmm. um, but more times I've heard that it has, it's an overwhelming experience for people to be um, in a room or be listening to these sounds that are played extremely loudly are these instruments to be played so loud. Um, it, it's overwhelming. Um, and, and so what gets overwhelming for people is the nervous system um, is responding to that to that sound um, and that can um, trigger uh, a flighter, uh, fight or flight response in the nervous system. Um, so yeah, so it, it, it need there needs to be a, um, the instruments need to be played carefully, um, especially when you're dealing with amplification or, or the volume of the sound. And I imagine if you're dealing with like a, a large population or a population of just the general public, I, as a highly sensitive person who gets overly stimulated so easily, like keeping that in mind, like if you're not a highly sensitive person, also being aware, like, oh, whatever sound I'm hearing might feel like on level 12 for somebody else. Um, Yes, exactly, exactly. And that's actually one thing that I do in my groups is that I always play to the most sensitive person, play for the most sensitive person in the room. And maybe you don't know what that is, but 
it's an idea. It's an idea that there is someone very sensitive in your group. And I am a very sensitive person as well. So I'm, I'm very play very, very gently. So. Somewhat recently, I had Brandy Jo Perkins and Caroline Caswell, owners of Earth Commons, on the show. Check out episode number 62 when you get the chance. Earth Commons is more than an apothecary. They offer herbal consultation, massage, therapy, classes, and monthly memberships. They have really helped me get into my herbal side. It's a fabulous way to connect to nature and to a supportive herbal community. One of my favorite things to get at Earth Commons is rhodiola. It's great for focus, also increases my energy without that caffeine spike. My other go-to herb is hops. I make it into a tea and it's great for relieving muscle tension. Another favorite is their vetiver bundles. If you have ever seen a sage bundle before, it's like that, but made with super grounding vetiver. So great for relaxation. They have many awesome offerings. Do yourself a favor and go check it out for yourself. You can find them if you are in the Austin area at 813 Springdale Road or visit them online at earth-commons.com. That's spelled E-A-R-T-H hyphen C-O-M-M-O-N-S.com. I'll link all their info in the show notes. Check out Earth Commons online or in Austin for all your self-keeping needs. That's also affordable. And we're back. Uh, well, we're just going to get right into what is the root danger possibly of marketing these ancient healing practices of playing um, these instruments, these the gong, the bowls that you mentioned? Mm-hmm. So I think the issue that comes in with marketing, when you're dealing with marketing, you get into gimmicks, you get into trends that... Um, Things can become easily trendy without being based on any any substance of truth. Yes. So that's the that's the problem that happens. Um, for example, um, here's a concrete example. Is, um, we'll talk about the um, singing bowls being matched to the notes um, of the musical scale and then to the chakras. So. Um, so there is um, an idea that the C is related to the root and the D, the sacral, um, and each one related to the chakras as they go up. Um, so, so this idea obviously has come from, from a Western idea. What's happened is that they've taken an ancient idea of chakras um, and combine that with a Western scale. So did you want to explain chakras for those who don't know what that means? Yeah. So the energetic centers in the body. Now there's, there are more than seven chakras in our body, but there's mm-hmm. seven, seven main ones that we, we see. Um, um, if you've seen, especially like in yoga, they um, have that 
image of the person with the colored dots going up the spine. Those are the energetic centers starting at the root, going all the way up to the crown. And um, so these are energetic centers um, that are also related to our health and to our organs and to our own, the whole health of the body um, based on an energetic system. Um, so, and this is, and this is um, based in ancient Vedic uh, uh, teaching. So, mm -hmm. so this is what we, you know, what is ancient knowledge from India. Um, so what has happened is that that has been taken a little bit out of context in a way that, and, and matched with a, with a musical scale. So, um, the notes C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C, well, not counting the top C, you happen to have seven notes in this scale. And so that actually conveniently matches to seven chakras, which is, you would think, wow, well, how did that, how did that happen? I don't really know where, I don't know who came up with originally this matching, of, but I, I, I am positive that it is from a Western, of course, it's from a Western um perspective because this is the western scale cdfgabc so um this is a major c major scale which is the most common key that you hear in mainstream music and western music and the major scale is also the most common scale so um so there are many other possibilities of scales that could be used and so i I think this is one of the problems uh, with this idea. So if you stay within Western musical scales, why not start with the F major scale or why not do a D minor scale with the chakras? Why was it a C major scale? And if you expand, are you consider doing, using a raga, a raga is a, a, a scale based on Indian classical music, mm. why wouldn't it have been matched to a raga? Wouldn't that have been, wouldn't that make sense that it would be, if it's, you know, the ideas of the chakra system, that this would be matched with an Indian classical scale? Yeah. Right? These totally. systems would be together, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not the case. That's not how it's being advertised and marketed because we're talking about marketing right and problems and mm -hmm. issues with marketing so not only that the raga the scales in the classical indian musical system there are thousands of them there are way more <laughs> skills than in western music so there's just there's so many more possibilities so i think that this is an example of a gimmick um, that is happening and i don't want to say that it is harmful. So I don't want to say like, if you're listening and you bought your C bowl for your root chakra and it's not harmful, you're, it's, you're not doing something wrong, mm -hmm. but there is more possibility for your root chakra. There's more possibility for your sacral than a D and there's more possibility for your heart than just an F note. That's what I have. I have a, a F sharp for the heart chakra. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, so, yeah. And it's, it's the, and I, and I want to, I want to get the point across that 
people don't feel bad about having their chakra bowls and their, you know, it's, it's not going to be harmful, but it's good to be aware that this is what happens when um, things get trendy. And then all of a sudden we don't know what this is based in. We don't know um, where, how the scale got matched with the seven chakras. Um, and we, we don't know, right? I mean, no, no, but it's, but, <laughs> but it's definitely, it's definitely some, something has some Western perspective has uh, created this and for marketing, because it's really a, it's a great marketing thing that's happening right now. Cause you can get your, you know, they, they advertise it, get your C bowl for your root and uh-huh. get your yeah. B bowl and yeah. And there's a lot of, a lot of like classes and trainings around the bowls and the chakras and the notes and the chakras and recordings around that. There's nothing, again, I, I want to, I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying that there's more possibilities than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're being presented that this is the way it is, but we also haven't researched sound therapy extensively like you have. And so you're shedding light on this. There, there is more to the story. Yes. Uh, than what's being presented. So what could be some problems or maybe something maybe even a little bit dangerous about presenting healing, um, healing and music when playing the instruments inappropriately? Yes. So there are, there are a lot of experiences of sound baths and experiences where people go as a group to listen and it's it is um it is presented as a healing experience so when we go into these healing experiences we are more vulnerable we have this idea of receiving healing as well um and so we i open ourselves up more i think we can be a little more open and more receptive um, with this idea that we want to receive healing. And, um, and if the instruments are played um, inappropriately, it can be more harmful for the person. Um, for example, we did talk about volume and ampli- uh, amplifying the noise, the sound, sorry, the sound of the instruments too loudly it can create too much of an intense experience. I have had several several students mentioned that they have had this kind of experience where it was too intense and some had a migraine after. Um, And this should not be happening. (laughs) You should not get a migraine after, after you listen to these sounds. So um, that would be an example of the, the sound being too intense or too much amplification. Um, I mean, especially when you're in these, you have to think about the space that you're in, the room that you're in when you're playing these instruments and um, it can amplify the sounds in different ways without even realizing you may be um, in a room that's creating so much amplification very easily because those crystal bowls and the gong and they can get loud so easily. I mean, it's so easy you don't have to play them very hard at all. (laughs) And it's, Uh and it's intense. It's intense. So that's, that's one thing. The other thing is, um, um, 
when the instruments are not creating enough harmony and they're creating more dissonance than harmony. Mm. So, um, so, so you have a set of bowls or you have a set of instruments and, um, if the notes aren't exactly, um, pleasing harmonically, you may be creating too much dissonance and that also is jarring for the nervous system. It's un it's unsettling. And what happens in music is that dissonance is, is a great tool in, in sound therapy, but it's like, it needs to resolve to harmony. What is dissonance? Exactly. So dissonance is a little bit like, um, if you, if you think about noise, it's creating that, that tension, it's creating tension. So you've got you harmony. We're talking about this. It's, it's a, uh, mathematically, it's a mathematical ratio that has a certain, you know, perfect form, but with dissonance, you're getting a little bit too close in, um, the notes are too close together. This is one way to explain it. Mm -hmm. um, so um, there are certain intervals in music that are creating harmony. The best intervals would be the third, the fourth, the fifth, and the octave, just to give exact intervals. These are creating these are creating harmony. So if you have notes that are too close together, you create dissonance, and it's it just sounds edgy. It sounds um, it sounds. Uh, makes you a little bit tense like a three and a four or a one and a two or mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so if you have a scale from like cd fgabc the c and the d right next to each other if you play them together it's creating this dissonance um but in in music though if you move from dissonance to resolve to harmony to one of those intervals that i was speaking of then then your body responds. So you kind of build it and then you resolve, you have a deeper relaxation. Mm. <laughs> so dissonance can be an, can be useful. It can be useful um, in the, in the sound therapy experience, in the sound meditation, it can be helpful to bring people down another level. So that is also part of creating a musical phrasing within it. So you want to be able to musically phrase through there, through the instruments you're playing, bring the dissonance and resolve. If you just have dissonance and dissonance and then dissonance and weird places that don't resolve, then it's just leaving tension in the body, creating more tension. So that's one way the instruments can be played inappropriately. Right. Loudly, dissonance. Right, right. Um, and also and also with these instruments, the the manner in which they're played um uh can sound very clangy or um I know that one time I had had I had a sound meditation and the people afterwards said there was nothing jarring in your in your playing, there was nothing jarring. And I was thinking, well, there shouldn't be anything jarring. Why would, yeah. <laughs> because, because the, the metal bowls, especially the metal bowls, if you strike them, or if you're using a wooden mallet on the metal, it's very clangy. And that's, 
only making, you know, it makes people cringe. So you don't want any of those sounds. So that's another, that's another thing that can happen is the correct techniques of playing really need to be, um, to be applied the correct techniques to play. Yeah, that makes sense. What is lacking in most sound therapy practices, in your opinion? Um, I think that, I think there is a need to understand music, to be trained as a musician. So, so sometimes there, you know, someone might have some musical knowledge, but then they might not have as much therapeutic knowledge or someone may have some therapeutic knowledge and then not have enough musical knowledge. So I think there needs to be um, both of these. Um, uh, because like I, I was saying, like it, you could have all the best intentions and then no musical, uh, not understanding musical scale or harmony and that it's not going to, it's not going to work as <laughs> the best way. So, um, and then as we've seen, it could also create some harmful results for the listener. Mm -hmm. um, so I think people um, uh, need, who are practicing need to have this musical training, at least basic understanding of the scales and harmony um, understanding of correct, um, techniques of playing, understanding of, of the nervous system of sound, science of sound. I think, I think it just needs to be a whole, <laughs> a whole, uh, circle of all of these things to understand the science of sound, what is vibration and, um, and how sound affects the nervous system. Um, I think this is really important because the, the other thing is, um, sound is not all sound is healing. Um, not all sound is healing. So, and we kind of, kind of went, talked a little bit on that. We're talking about, um, amp too much amplification in this, but not all sound is healing because our nervous system will respond to certain sounds that can trigger us into fight or flight. Mm. So, so let's say um, you hear a crash, you hear um, a bang, it's alerting your nervous system that something might be um, dangerous. Mm. And when some, when you're alerted, then you get ready to take off, right? Yeah. So, so, um, so sound is carrying information. Mm -hmm. It is, um, if you think about it, like you hear, you hear a dog bark, then you are alerted that there's something present over there. If you hear the door shut, then you know that maybe someone's walking in to the room. Mm -hmm. Um, even when you hear someone speaking, you can gather information from their voice of maybe how they're feeling. Yeah. So, so sound carries information. I think this is, is important to understand for those who are applying sound therapy, 
The sound carries information and our nervous system uses that information to know what to do next. So, mm -hmm. I hope you enjoyed today's episode all about yoga and breaking sound healing myths with the knowledgeable Andrea Cortez. All of her info is in the show notes, so you're just one click away from connecting with her. Be sure to stay tuned for next time uh, as we continue this conversation of yoga and breaking sound healing myths uh, in our second half of this episode. Let us know how you like the show. We love hearing from you. Please email us at yogaandpodcast at gmail.com. The and is spelled out Y-O-G-A-A-N-D podcast at gmail. The theme song is performed by Allie Holder. Sound engineering and guest booking by Bentley the Cat. Social media by Chloe the Kitty. Remember that this podcast is for everyone. If you are a human living on planet Earth, you might benefit from listening to Yoga and Podcast. See you next time.